Morning, everyone. Yes, it is a fantastic day to be alive. Do you know why? Because Jesus is alive in your heart. You are a child of God, saved, healed, delivered, set free, made prosperous. Man. That's it, my brother. That's it right there. Come on. That's what it's about, guys. We want to talk about, hey, man, I'm having a rough day. But you're in the wrong person. If you're having a rough day, you're in the person who's connecting in the world. You're supposed to be in the new you in Jesus. Amen? The new you in Jesus. Hey, this thing keeps falling out of my I've got to share the story. Right? There's a lot of people that haven't heard it. So on the back, it says Subhashan, right? And it says, with love, mommy. Okay? Check the date on it. It is the 22nd of December, 1999. Right? This is how long I've had this, right? And check what it says on the other side. It says... Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Amen? That's some good advice to give your kids. I don't know what you guys think, but I mean, that's some good advice. Alrighty, are you ready for the word this morning? Man, I tell you, this series is, oy, we can do it a thousand times, and every time we do it, I'm still going to be as excited about it. It's, it's phenomenal, I'm telling you. And um, over the weeks, you know, we I edit all the videos and everything. So straight after church on the Sunday, I'm watching it again. I'm like, yo, did he even say that this morning? What? You know, and you, you get to certain points in the videos. I'm like, oh, that's good. Then you go, oh, that's also good. A 40-minute sermon turns into three hours of editing. It's just all so good, man. So listen, if you guys are not going back and watching the messages and taking your notes and studying this out, please, 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 please do it. It is only for your benefit. It is, and I'm going to explain to you this morning why it is only your benefit, all right? But like Pastor Didi said, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians. You know, there's been many questions over the years about new Christians. You know, uh, what, what should they start with? Where do we start reading the Bible? There's so many books, man. I read Genesis, and I'm like, whoa, God's creating everything. Then everything goes pear-shaped. Then you get onto Numbers, and you get to Leviticus. You're like, hey, what is going on here? Like, I thought this was supposed to be good news. Yeah, I mustn't shave my beard, I must wear a robe, I must, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I got to throw out my bacon. What is going on here, you know? Then you get to Psalms and you see David's life and what he's writing and you're just like, oh, is this going to be me too, Lord? Oh my gosh. Like it's all sweet and beautiful, but there's so much chaos, you know? Then you get to Lamentations, you get to Malachi and you're like, there's no hope for anything. Then Jesus comes in and he says, right, if your right arm offends you, chop it off. This is what? How is this gospel good news? What, do you guys understand what I'm saying? Like you read the Bible and you're like, I thought Jesus was the savior of the world. What is happening here? Someone please tell me, right? Listen, all right? Everyone say listen, all right? This Bible was given to you to explain to you why the Messiah had to come, okay? And Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians are the three letters that most accurately describe the beginning of your journey, okay? Because you see, when you begin this journey and you decide to become a child of God, you decide to agree with who God is and everything that Jesus did with his death, burial, and resurrection, and you choose to believe, the Bible says that you become a new creation, right? And being a new creation, you have a new way that you operate. 
Being a new creation, you have a new way that you need to think, a new way that you need to feel. You have a new sense of value. Are you guys with me? And those three books, believe it or not, are the most concise in bringing across that new reality. Amen? I know Deeds emphasized this already, but I just love those books, man. I mean, those books are phenomenal. So if you have not, spend time in those books, guys. Choose to believe it, right? You know what I did, right? This is what I did. And for those of you who are very meticulous about, you know, your walls at home and all that stuff, um, I didn't care much, but, you know, you put the press stick on the wall and get the oil stains and stuff. If you don't want that, it's fine. Choose another way. But go and write these scriptures out, guys. Put them in front of your bed. I promise you. Every morning when you wake up, you will read, I am God's masterpiece. Every morning when you wake up, I am now dead, but my life is hidden in Christ. Amen? I am one spirit with him. All of these New Testament realities, put it in front of your bed. Even when you go to sleep at night, it will be the last thing you read. And you know what's going to happen day after day after day? You're going to start believing that word. You're going to start walking in it naturally. And what's going to happen? The minute anything chaotic happens in your life, you're going to be like, but wait a minute. I'm a child of God. God's not far away. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's alive in my heart. Are you guys with me? See, we as disciples, right? That's what Jesus said we need to do. Go out into the world and make disciples, right? Do you know what disciples need to do? They don't need to fix their life problems. Disciples need to connect with the master. Amen? See, a lot of people are coming to church, walking with God, choosing whatever, Bible schools and courses and listening to sermons, podcasts, whatever it is. But they're doing it to fix their problems. Not realizing that all their problems are coming from a lack of connection with the master. Are you guys with me? All right? So please, let's make the decision. We cannot sit back and say, God, do something. <laughs> Please. God's like, what, what do you want me to do? Look at Jesus. He's seated here at my right hand. Seated because his work is finished. He perfected what could not be perfected. But God, do something. Son, daughter, it's in your heart. The kingdom, everything that you need for life and godliness is right now inside of your heart. Amen? Not tomorrow. Not next week. You know? Somebody's like, well, I'm in a desert season. But the only thing that's in the desert is that old dead man of yours that died when Jesus died. Amen? Forget the old man. This is about the new you in Jesus. Amen? Look at the person next to you. Make some very awkward eye contact. Jeez, whoa, 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 no, no, wait, not like threatening or you, like, 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 I mean awkward like it's there, you know, make some very awkward eye contact, right, and say, hey, I am a new creation in Jesus. As he is, so am I in this world. Amen. Come on, give God a praise. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming today. Have a good Sunday. Love you guys. Ah, you wish. No, I'm kidding. That, you wish the sermon could be that short. Not in this church. No ways. Yo. Smells <laughs> like bash, please. Come on. <laughs> Yanking our chains here. Uh, Luke chapter 4. All right. You're going to take a bit of a journey this morning. You guys cool with that? Yeah, let's go. We always love 
to take a journey. So, while you guys are going there, right, um, you know, Pastor Didi was talking about stewardship, right? You know, guys, you, the, the deeper you go into the Word of God and, you know, as time progresses and you start studying more, you start reading more, and you start accepting what Jesus teaches about His kingdom and living life here, right? All the paradoxes, you know, all the red letters in the Bible. You actually realize that stewardship is the foundation of how we should live our lives. Are you with me? I mean... Even to the point, I believe uh, 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 it's 1 Corinthians 6, right? Now check this out. This is how far it goes. We say stewardship with money. We say all these things, right? And the guys came to Jesus, before we get to 1 Corinthians 6. They came to Jesus and they said, listen, Jesus, this brass Caesar, he says we must pay money. Should we pay him the money? So Jesus holds up a coin. Okay, who's on our money now? Is it Mandela? No, who's it? Hey? Oh, still Mandela. Okay, cool. Yeah, I knew we move over from the big five a while. I, I know there was a plot to put Jay-Z on there. And I was like, yes, that man. Imagine having E.T. on your money. Anyway, listen. But anyway, it was a joke. I'm sorry. Okay, but um, he holds up a coin, okay, and he says, whose face is on this thing? Right? He says, whose face is it? They're like, oh, but it's Caesar's. Says, okay, cool. So if it's Caesar's, give to Caesar what is due to Caesar. But he doesn't just stop there. He says... But give to God what is due to God, right? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now, here's the thing. He used the image, right? Whose image are you made in? That's interesting. No, I'm not saying you must give your life for Jesus. That's not what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Some people are going to go at you and be like, Lord. Ah. No, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But in 1 Corinthians 6... Paul explaining how Christians need to live. He's correct. Okay, the, the Corinthian letters are hectic. Please just understand that the church in Corinth was a chamors. Okay? Everyone say chamors. <laughs> I love the Afrikaans. Phenomenal. <laughs> right? When you go and study about that church, guys, yes, what they were getting up to. I'm like, how do Christians today read Corinthians and then get so upset at people's behavior in life? I mean, really, it doesn't make sense. Because Paul takes the entire example and says, listen, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Not once does he say, listen, you guys are sinning. Are you going to hell? I'm done with you. You know what I'm saying? He brings them back to their reality. And at the end of that chapter, he makes a very amazing statement. And he says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Are you with me? And I was sharing this with Pastor Didi yesterday. And it's not really like a foundation of... You know, the, the message this morning. But I just wanted to share it because we need to understand the extent that this new creation reality goes to. Okay? So I'll give you an example, right? Anyone here ever a bit fussy about lending people their stuff? Woo! All the hands. Yo. All the youngsters with the cell phones. <laughs> Little kid. Hi, do you have games on your phone? No, get away, kid. Just, I don't have games. Get away. Just go. <laughs> right? <laughs> But when someone lends you stuff, right, is it borrows? They, you lend to and they borrow from, right? Yeah. So did I get it right? Yes. Okay, good. So you lend someone your stuff. Let's say whatever it is, okay? What do you expect that person to do? You expect them to use the thing in the same way that you do, right? Now, whether you want to put that in a formal contract or not, it's like an unspoken rule, 
He's like, Xer, I'm going to lend you this thing. Please, use it the way I use it. Look after it. Are you with me, right? And what happens when <laughs> that thing comes back in a state you didn't give it out in? <laughs> it makes you angry. Hey? <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it results in a bit of an undesirable consequence, right? But, you know, because we're Christian and we're so loving, we're just like, mm, thanks. And then we walk away like, never again, son. You are out of here. You know, black mark against your name. Out. You know, next week they say, hey, can I borrow that thing? And, oh, sorry, I don't have it anymore. You know, I, I, I sent it away or, you know, it's not working. What do you mean it's not working? I don't know what happened, you know. I don't know about you guys. I spin the stories, eh? Jeez. And then eventually I just learned. I'm like, just say no, Bash. You know, you can't have it, right? But the principle is this, is that you being the owner of something, right, you understand the best way that that thing needs to be operated. Are you with me? Right? And this ties into the entire theme of the Bible because this is, a lot of people have argued even about the sovereignty of God. Right? God's in control. God's doing all these things, you know? It's like, okay. And they'll use the argument that God owns the world. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Right? Agreed. Okay, who's managing the earth? Let one person say God here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. But who's managing the earth? Last time I checked, it was uh, shell bombing off the coast. Last time I checked, it was petrochemical companies drilling everywhere. It was all these things, right? God is not managing the earth because in Genesis, he said to Adam, man, he gave him dominion over the earth. Are you with me? Now let's have a look for a second, what's happened in the last two and a half years about the state of the earth, ladies and gents. Do you think it's in a good state? And do you know why it's not in a good state? Because the one who created the earth, who understands how it operates, who understands the best way to, to handle it, right? The best way to look after it, the execution that's best for it, right? The guys who are managing it aren't interested. Hello. Are you with me? And you guys would have noticed in the last two and a half years that it results in some very undesirable consequences. Right? I'm not going to get into about what those consequences are because that's a whole separate discussion. But do you think it would be any different with you and I? Because you see... The Bible says, like I just mentioned, 1 Corinthians 6.20. I think it's 1 Corinthians 6.20. Yeah, we can put it up on the screen or you guys can make a note. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Okay. Paul gives another similar example in Romans when he talks about how you're no longer a slave to sin, but you're now slaves to righteousness. Is that the one? Yay, we've got the, the King James. I think there's a new King James as well. But anyway, that is, that is the scripture. Are you with me? Uh, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay? That is in, you belong to God. So the message that it's trying to send to us is that if you and I now belong to God, Jesus said the same thing. He says, listen, you are in my hand. No one's taking you out of my hand, Butch. Not a single person can open my hand. I've got you. You're safe. 
right? When the Bible tells us that you and I are just as Jesus is right now, seated at the right hand of God, we're just like that in this world. What it's explaining to us is that the management of us now being in Jesus cannot be the same as how we've been doing it before when we were dead in sin. Do you know why? Because it's no longer the same thing. Are you guys with me? Are you following me, right? Because before I used to do, oh, okay, three weeks ago I said sin and death, grace and righteousness, okay? But before when I was in sin and death, right, in the never-ending trap of self, I did everything to try and hack my emotions, my body, my feelings, my everything to just make sure I get to peace. So if I'm sad, what did I do? I went and did something to make me feel happy. If I'm lonely, I went and did something to make me feel, oh, what's the opposite of lonely? Huh? Unlonely. I'll take it. I'll take it. Forgive me, my English was atrocious. My goodness. But the Lord's grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. All right. Um, what is it? Yeah. So if you are feeling rejection, you went and did something to get acceptance. Are you with me? You were living a completely reactive life purely based on how all your faculties were malfunctioning. Are you with me? And then those solutions took forms, like many different forms. Some of us, it was relationships. Others, it was money. Others, it was food. Others, it was stuff, right? But it always amounted to something physical and tangible so that whatever we were feeling or experiencing in this physical body, we just wanted to numb it out, right? What happens to people who, who end up in alcoholism? They don't like alcohol to that extent, you know? They're actually just trying to numb out something. Are you with me? If someone's drinking a bottle of whiskey a day, they're not doing it for fun. They're doing it not because they like the taste of whiskey. They're doing it because in their heart, there is something that is chowing them up every single day, and they need an exit point. Are you with me? But when we come to Jesus, the Bible is telling us that, listen, that same cycle that you were so used to, you're not on it anymore. You're not the little hamster stuck in the never-ending wheel of the world system. You were a hamster that died, right? And now you became a son of God. <laughs> no, that's not evolution. That's the new creation, okay? You were a hamster. Now you're just like Jesus. Talk about promotion, right? Amen? That's an amazing promotion, okay? But now that you are just like Jesus, not being stuck in the flesh, God is saying that you have to change the way you are operating. Do you know that's the number one reason why Christians get so frustrated in their walk with God? It's the number one reason why people give up on God. It's the number one reason why people will say, ah, I tried the God thing. Ah, it didn't work for me, man. It's because they came to God. They became a new creation, but they refused to understand what this new creation, what its faculties and how they operate, what the faculties are and how they operate. Are you with me? Because every single one of us, what are we? We are a spirit, possess a soul, and we live in a body. Are you with me? And those three function, right, naturally because God created it like that. 
every single one of us created in the image and likeness of God, these things function in a specific way. How we use them is up to us. Are you guys with me? So far, so good, right? Now, I mentioned the issue in the heart, okay, that issue in the heart. Luke chapter 4, I did mention that earlier, let's go there, Luke chapter 4. Jesus, he's sitting in the, in the synagogue, right? And he quotes from, I believe it's, uh, is it Isaiah 61, right? And he's, he's quoting the scripture from Isaiah 61. And, he, you know, it's talking about everything that he's going to come and do, you know. Set the captives free, heal, all that stuff, you know. Um, but the line that he makes that he says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Are you with me? I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Further on he goes, he says, verily I say unto thee that this scripture has been fulfilled today. Okay. Now you can go read the rest of the story. They were upset with him. Ah, Jesus, blasphemy. You know, like they always were. But I want to focus on I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Okay. Because, like I mentioned earlier, when we come to Jesus, it's not about fixing our problems. It's about connecting with him. Because there's a very, very subtle deception that is at play, especially today in mainstream Christianity, is that I can come to Jesus to continue serving myself. So what does that mean? It means that, okay, I was using alcohol before to get rid of my problems, to numb my, my emotions out, to just get rid of the stress, right? Cool. So what I'm going to do then is when I come here to Jesus, instead of alcohol, I'm just going to use praise and worship music. Instead of alcohol, I'm just going to attend a 24-hour prayer meeting. Instead of alcohol, I'm just going to read the Bible until my eyes fall out. Instead of alcohol, I'll go on a Daniel fast and I'll get breakthrough. What's the common denominator here, folks? Is that we are still seeking to serve ourselves. We're just using God as the mechanism. Write that down. Because you're going to see where that goes now. Right? Are you guys with me? We told you in this series, we're going deep. All right? We are going deep because we do not want to be these wishy-washy people that just say, yo, Jesus, you're amazing. Hallelujah on the Sunday. Then on the Monday, we're just like, where's God? Oh, no. Where's God? No, we want to be people who are established in the truth of God's word. We want to be people who are established in the New Testament reality. Are you with me? So let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it again because I want you guys to understand this, all right? If I'm here and I have a specific mechanism that I'm using to deal with what my heart is struggling with, right? If I come over this side into Jesus and I'm still looking for a new mechanism to just deal with that heart issue, I'm still in the old man. Do you know why? Because... To deal with that heart issue, the number one thing I need to acknowledge is that that issue does not exist in Jesus. But I'm coming to God and I'm like, look at this issue, Lord. Jesus, please help me. Come down. Let it rain. You know? Open the floodgates of heaven. Breakthrough, battles, all the stuff. Why are people doing that? Is Jesus not victorious? Is Jesus' work not complete? 
Has Jesus not healed? Has he not paid the price for sin? I'm asking questions. The Bible says that he's done all of these things. Has Jesus not defeated the devil? Because that's a big one. See, because Christians will go from here and they'll say, yo, your depression, that you were using alcoholism to get down. They'll come on this side and they'll say, no, it's the devil that's causing my depression. How is the devil causing your depression if you are in Jesus? You know what you're ultimately saying? The devil's more powerful than Jesus. If you are saying that, you are terribly misinformed, but do not worry. The Bible gives the truth. Are you with me? So what we are, uh, what we are programmed to do with our self-service on this side, we take it into God. And we say, God, I'm not here to connect with you. I'm still here to just serve myself. Fix my problem, please. I'm going to carry on on my way. Are you guys with me? Now that sounds a bit hectic, okay? But it is a pill that every single one of us need to swallow. Because if we do not swallow that pill, ladies and gents, it's going to be the very gate that stops us from moving into what Christ has purchased for us. Are you with me? I tell you, guys, over the years, we have spoken to people over and over and over, and we tell them, listen, I understand the stress of your problem. 100%. I'm with you. I agree it needs to be sorted out. All right? But I'm telling you now, the only way your problem is going to get sorted out is if God leads you to a solution. If God, and for God to lead you to a solution, what do you need? If you want to hear God, you need peace in your heart. And do you know what brings you peace in your heart? The gospel. Not problems disappearing. The gospel brings peace in your heart. Amen? Tasso said this last week. I think Pastor Didi said it the week before. This thing is not for sissies, man. I was sitting at the back. I'm like, yo, that's rough, eh? But it's true. It's not for sissies. Are you guys with me? So what we need to be doing, ladies and gents, is that this self-service that we're living with every day, that we're so used to living with through all our lives, right? We need to understand that that self-service needs to die. And the image we need to get when we're saying, listen, the self-service needs to die, we need to take the operating manual of that thing. And what we're trying to figure out to do and drop it. And we need to come over on this side and say, all right, Jesus. I'm going to choose to do what you say I need to do. Are you guys with me? Right? Following so far. Okay? Okay, sort of. A bit heavy. No, not too bad. No, we're, we're, we're all right. We're all right. Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Are you guys getting something this morning? Sort of. A little bit. Should I try to ask one more time? What do you think? Are you guys getting something this morning? Ah, that's better. Okay, okay. I know people always tell me afterwards, Bash, listen, we really are getting something, but we're just so focused, you know? I'm like, yeah, I'm at a tough crowd, eh? Like, geez, that's crazy. All right, now Romans chapter 12. I touched on this three weeks ago, four weeks ago when we started this series, okay? Because this, this movement from the old to the new, okay, is, is something like I mentioned now that we as Christians, we don't want to do. Okay, and yes, there's many building blocks um, as to why we don't want to do that. Okay, a few were mentioned last week about how we don't know who God is. That's why we refuse to trust him to move away from the old. Okay, and Pastor Tasso was saying that it's in his names. Are you with me? Pastor Didi the week before, he was explaining about how that the old 
memories and all that stuff is the illusion that's just there. Because the spiritual reality of who we are in Jesus is our current reality, the present reality. Amen? So when we, when we read all these realities, we don't want to let go of that old one. Are you with me? Simply because we get so much validation in that old one. We have our entire identity built around the old one. Okay? What we get value from, what we get purpose in, what we get compassion to, everything. It's, it's just everything's anchored in there. But when the Bible says that we must have faith, that we have been saved by grace through faith, right? That, we, that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And that righteousness is from faith to faith. What it's talking about is the substance of who God is and what Christ has done at the cross becomes our evidence for our value, our purpose, our worth, our identity, entire identity. Are you guys with me? And you're truly only walking in faith when you release that old and say, okay, God, I choose. Before, I used to be defined by my grades in school. No longer, I am defined by your love for me. Before, I used to find my worth in my bank balance. No longer, now I find my worth in you. Before, I used to find my beauty in my beauty. No, I was going to say something. Huh? I lost it there, bro. But before, I used to find my validation in my looks. Now, I find my validation in I am your masterpiece. No one gets to bypass this process, ladies and gents. You know why? Because it is, the, like we keep saying over and over, it is the paradox that we as children of God experience in this world. And that is, we are in it. We're not of it. Amen? I'm telling you now, it would be easier if you had something physical to fight against. I promise you, it would be easier because you'd just be like, woo, lock the target, bang, cheers, bro, I win. Right? But the target now is your own heart. That's what the target is. And because we've been so sensory and we've been so focused on numbing out all these issues, we actually have no clue anymore what is actually taking place in our heart. Are you with me? You know, on Wednesday, who was here on Wednesday? Guys, right? Right? If you haven't been here on Wednesday yet, please get here. I'm telling you, it is unbelievably amazing. All right? Because when we get here, what do we do? We sit down and we do what the Bible says. We gather in the name of Jesus. What does that mean? Not a magic wand that's waved and says, in Jesus' name, everything's going to happen. No. To gather in the name of Jesus means that we will accept his truth. That in here right now, we accept that we are as he is in this world. That's what it means to gather in the name of Jesus. I can't gather in the name of Jesus and say I'm broken. I can't gather in the name of Jesus and say, oh, the devil's attacking me. That's not in the name of Jesus. That's in the name of me. Are you guys with me? That's in the name of me. And let me tell you, my name means nothing, okay? My name personally, but also your names, okay? <laughs> Don't just go out there and tell everyone, yeah, Bash said his name is useless. Hey, yo, it's tough. No, our names. There's one name that matters, and that is Jesus, right? And he was given that name because he was to be the savior of the world. Are you with me? 
So when we gather in his name, it means that we are gathering in the truth of who he is and what he accomplished. We cannot gather in the name of Jesus based on all the lies that aren't in him. But what is our present reality? That we are in Jesus. But what is our paradox? That we have physical consequences in this world. Bash, I know I'm healed in Jesus, but I've got sickness in my body. I agree with you, brother. But let me tell, me, let me tell you one thing. What is the reality that's present in your heart? Is the reality that you're healed in Jesus present in your heart? Or is it the sickness that you have in your leg that's present in your heart? Because you see, you can only produce what is present in your heart. Are you with me? This is why Jesus says, anything you ask for in my name, believe you have received it and it shall be yours. Why did he say that? Key word, in his name. Firstly, everything that we ask must be in line with Jesus. Right? So everything he has done, who he is, our inheritance in him. Believing that it is housed, meaning that that reality is the prevailing reality in our hearts. And what happens automatically after that? You ask anyone who has followed through with this process, they'll tell you, life becomes effortless and problems become unnoticeable. Dudes, when was the last time you had a problem? Right? <laughs> now you see, that statement is true, but at the same time, unrealistic, correct? Because you see, he's having problems every day. What's the difference now? Problems don't affect him. Are you guys with me? You see, the Christian perspective to run away from problems and wish they would disappear is anchored in self-service. God, please, I'm so irritated. Ah, you know? Please, Lord, I'm so stressed. Do something, you know? You just want God to take the stress away. Meanwhile, God's telling you, if you're anchored in me, my child, I got this. I got every step mapped out. I will tell you exactly when, where, who, how, what. <laughs> Sorry, I left out one more. Are you guys with me? Right? Are you getting something here? Are you guys following me? This is what we need to spend our day in and day out doing, ladies and gentlemen. Romans chapter 12. What is the time? Fashion. Okay, we're almost there. What time did I start? Ten past. Guys, I'm sorry. Okay, we're on our way out. <laughs> I thought we started like normal, like 20 past. Okay, here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Now, we have spoken about this, I don't know how many times, but here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay? Excuse me. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right. Now here's the thing. When we read, do not conform, okay, to the pattern of this world, immediately we're like, yeah, okay, cool, I won't conform. Resistance, yes. Fight the power. We're going to march, right? 
Listen, you truly need to march in your heart, okay? Just, just overthrow those parliament buildings that have been built there, okay? <laughs> but we need to understand conform and transform in the context of Jesus. Are you with me? When, when Paul here is talking about conform, he's talking about do not adopt, right? Do not be shaped unto the pattern of this world. Are you with me? It's not just like, oh, fall in line, da, da, da. yes, yes. No, it's not just that. Because that falling in line and walking and, you know, saluting, that is the result of being shaped by and being wrapped around the system of the world, which is that endless cycle of self. Are you with me? But he says, be transformed, right? Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Look at the person next to you, right? Say, I have a brain. Don't, don't feel awkward. Look at them in the eyes. Say, I have a brain. I have a mind. I am in control of it. It is my responsibility to make sure that it is renewed to Jesus and his logic. Amen? So let's talk about transformation, right? Now, there is a difference between change and transformation, okay? Now, for those of you who are interested, we have, what is the name of that series that we did? The transformation one we did on YouTube and Facebook. Hallelujah. <laughs> Deltry, you got it. No. <laughs> Deltry's looking at me back. He's like, Bash, I wish I could help you. <laughs> um, I think it's called The Power of Transformation or Transformed Life or something, right? Go check it. It's on our playlist and our series on Facebook, okay? It's about 12 parts, okay? And there we outline the difference between you actively going and changing and making a decision. No. That's it. I'm going to hack this thing today. But explaining the passive power that comes from beholding Jesus and connecting with Jesus. Are you with me? And that's why transformation that the Bible explains, which is holiness that religion has demanded, is actually an effortless fruit of experiencing the love of God. Are you with me? Easy peasy. Anyone out there? Anyone in here? You won't ever debate about any religion, right? Let's talk about holiness. Let's say, bro, your holiness is a demand on you. My holiness is a fruit. The demand on me is to align with what Jesus has done. There's no demand on me to change anything. Are you with me? Let's talk about the next word. Transformed. No, that's the same word. Renew, sorry. By the renewing of your mind. Now, this is a tricky one, okay? Because a lot of people think, like, okay, I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to stop having those thoughts. What, what do you mean? It's like, no, I'm just going to get new thoughts. Yeah, but they're going to be of the same nature. Hello? And what is the nature of those thoughts? Me, 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 me. Every deal you're going to do, every conversation you're going to have, everything you're going to chase in life is going to be purely to serve do re mi fa so la ti. I passed me. Bash. And what's going to be good, guys, I'm sorry, I flopped that. Okay, it was going to be good. Right? But every single nature of the fleshly mind, the unrenewed mind, is based in self. It doesn't matter what you're thinking. What matters is how you are thinking. 
Because you see, you can't control what you think. How many of you are driving along and then you, next minute you're like, oh, jeez, where did that come from? Like, what? Was that in here? Like, jeez. Are you with me? Right? How many of you get in a situation and you have your mindset on this thing? Boo! It's going to happen like this. Let's go. GG's. Right? But what happens is that thing doesn't turn out like that. And what happens to you? You go into this fractured depression. Then life is over. Oh, no. Woe is me. You guys remember Timothy Treadle? Hey, hey. I got some yes. All right. I got some yeses. All right. But you haven't got a clue. You don't know what to do. You just don't know what to do. All right? The nature of how we are thinking is what the Bible is talking about here. And it's very interesting when you look at that word renew, okay. Another word that can be used there is renovate. Anyone here ever done a renovation? <laughs> Everyone nodded their head but with such pain. <laughs> Did you remember, hey? It was like, what, end of last year, I think. <laughs> Listen, guys. Pastor Didi is, is literally the perfect example of man of God I've ever met in my life, okay, right? Not, not to like gas you up, but you know, I mean like, like the authenticity is there. But let me tell you, when, when his, his senses were tested was when his house was being remodeled, man. It was crazy. He's rocking beard band. He's like, Pastor, what's up? He's like, I just want to get back to my house, bro. That's all I want to do, you know? So everyone here understands the frustration of renovation, okay? And I think the worst part is the dust. I think the dust is the worst part. That dust even gets in between your bread, man. It's crazy, okay? But let me ask you, what would a renovation of your mind look like? So let's take an example, okay? Picture a room in your house that you're not happy with, right? Got it? Cool. Now, that room, you've decided, nah, you know what? Uh, this thing is a chamorz. It's been 16 years. I, I need to change something here. This is... The ceiling boards are sagging, the paint's peeling off the wall, the tiles are cracked, right? You got some critters living in the corner. Heavy stories, man. Maybe you got some grass coming through the grout in the tiles. If your house looks like that, please, like, do something, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but let's go through what it's going to take to actually get that room aligned with the vision that you have for it. Not such a nice question, eh? See, every single one of us wish we'd be in the position of like, I mean, let's get a contractor. 200K, yeah, sign, do it. I'll be back in three weeks. That'd be nice, right? It'd be really cool. Who's going to be the subcontractor in your mind? Tell me. <laughs> there isn't some like super holy nanobots that's going to go in there and just revamp the thing. Are you with me? A lot of us, whenever we've done any renovations, it's been manual labor. What are you doing? You're pulling off the skirting boards. You're scraping the walls taking off the ceiling boards, right, knocking up the tiles, whatever else you need to do, getting the room down to its best structure. Agreed? And you as a believer, ladies and gentlemen, who is a spirit, possesses a soul, and lives in a body, is what you need to do. Bash, what are you saying? That's hectic. Mara, we said it's not for sissies, didn't we? Our expectations are aligned here. <laughs> are you with me? Because you see, in that room, over life, there's grass growing out the bottom. Maybe one wall is cracked. You know, the wind's blowing through it. Whenever it rains, the ceiling drips, all that stuff. That's how we have treated 
Those faculties that God gave us, our mind, will, and emotions. That's the faculties that he's given us, and that's how we've treated it. Why? Because we were in the cycle, the system of the world, which ran purely on flesh, which is self-service. Are you guys with me? So when we come to Jesus, we have a new vision. Because you see, before Jesus, our spirit was not one with the Holy Spirit. We were not connected to God. But when he enters and we become a new creation, do you know what we have? We have a new vision. So has anyone ever used like 3D programming and you've seen, you know how they arrange your room and they're like, hey, are you happy with this? Or they design a house. Anyone ever seen that? Right? The Holy Spirit is now that image. And he's saying, my child, this is the image I have for you. This is what righteousness is. This is what peace is. This is what joy is. And you know what he's expecting us to do? Because remember I said earlier, who's in charge of our minds? Ah, uh -uh, come guys. Who's in charge of our minds? We are. Yeah, yeah, man was like, yeah, we are. Jeez. Okay. We're in charge of our minds. What does that mean? It means God's not just going to come in there and hack and slash at things, guys. Do you know why? Because he's created you just like him. Who's going to go into the mind of God and hack and slash something? I'd like to see someone try. Probably like burn up when they get like 5,000 kilometers close to him, you know. But I'm kidding. No, no, that's not what happens. But imagine now in your mind, take for example what you base your self-worth on. If we look at that room, have you got your bank statement on that wall? Have you got a picture of the car that you must drive to be successful? Have you got a picture of the house you must live in? Have you got a picture of what you need to look like up there? Because you see, when all of these things in that room were created and nailed into those walls based on the cycle of flesh... Jesus is coming in and saying, listen, you are a new creation. These solutions here, they only apply to the flesh, dude. And I'm sorry, when you accepted me, he died when I died. So he's saying, right. Shaw, come here, bro. Yeah, serious. Why would I joke? Okay, yeah. Don't worry, you're not in trouble. Okay. Now, I want you to put on your overalls. Put on your overalls. Yeah, yeah, like just don't take off these clothes, but put on your. No, no, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. No, we're cool, we're cool, we're cool. Yeah, we're not about that life, bro. It's all good, yeah. Put in your overalls, yeah, you know, all cool. I don't know if I'd hire you, bro. You're taking long to put this thing on. What's going on? Time is money, butakom. Okay, no, I'm kidding. Right, so what is the Holy Spirit doing? Right, Shal, here's your paint scraper. Hold that. Cool. Then he comes again. Shal, here's your paint roller. That's the one you got. Here's your hammer. Right, yeah, here's your chisel. He has all the things, right. And a lot of Christians think this is what he's doing. In the form of all those tools, yeah. I'll be back later, fix it. Does it sound like the comforter? Is that what he would do? Because that's incredibly stressful. If you're trying to do something you have no clue how to do, and they're just like, yeah, thanks, bro. See you later. No. The Bible calls him the comforter, the counselor. Spirit of truth. Are you with me? What does he do? Based on what we discover in this, he says, all right, child. You see this thing you put here, right? 
this is why this is not working, okay? But this here is how you should change it. Uh, are you with me? Do you, do you see? See, Jesus is like this. That thing there is like you, old you. So you got to change that like this and make it just like Jesus. Are, are you with me? Yeah. All right, cool. Let's go. I'm going to help you. And we're going to do it. Are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal, right? Are you with me? Even though it, thanks, we'll give Charlotte a round of applause. <laughs> even though a very daunting and even core-shaking task all of a sudden becomes empowered by something beautiful called grace. You see, when people think of grace, immediately they picture sin. You know why? Because they have not accepted grace as what God has defined it as, they've accepted grace as another means to serve themselves. So I'm going to keep doing what I want to do, but there's grace. Now I'm not saying that's not true. What I'm saying is, is that that's like the tiniest, even the most infinitesimal fraction of what grace is. Because you, you see, grace as what God defined it is his ability at work in you. As much as I could in this example that I gave here. Are you with me? When you read in Corinthians about praying in tongues and how praying in the spirit edifies us. The Greek actually puts it together that the spirit himself comes next to us. And he takes us and he's like, let's go my child. We're going to do this together. Are you with me? So you see, you never need to be shaken by what it looks like in front of you. You just need to have peace as who's doing it with you. Are you with me? But because of the self-service mechanism that I mentioned in the beginning, guys, people only see what they want to get. They completely forget that the Holy Spirit is right here, alive inside of us. And he is ready. Every moment of every day, he's ready and he is waiting to change another thing in that room. Now, if you step into a room that you are not happy with, if you step into a room that's dark and gloomy and it smells funny and the roof is leaking and everything's dirty, how do you feel? Turn around and walk out, right? The interesting thing is that people who are not in Jesus have no escape from that room. Why do you think they're running after alcohol and drugs and money and career and all this sort of stuff? It's because they are locked in that filthy, dirty, disgusting, taken down room. But when you come to Jesus, you know what happens? That door unlocks. Click. And Jesus is like, I'm with you. What do you want to change in this room? What do you think? What, what, what are you willing to change in this room? I'm here with you now. Let's change it. Are you guys getting this? Can you see now the focus is shifted from trying to cope in this chaotic room and it's now shifted to I'm going to connect with Jesus and we're going to change this one piece at a time. Are you guys with me? I spoke a lot this morning, my apologies. But this is, man, this is, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, guys. As a believer, if you are not conceptualizing this teaching this morning, right, if it's something new to you, great, apply it. 
take it, chew on it, like make it logical to you, make it real to you. But if you've been hearing this over and over and over again, and you still don't want to do it, I'm going to tell you right now. When you run out of your willpower to serve yourself, don't blame God. I'm telling you now, when you get tired of life, and when you, you've had enough, you're like, ah, this God thing, I don't know, man. It's not God. It's you. Change the nature. Change the, the motive as to why you are living your life. Make your motive to connect to God. And once you connect to God, work on changing what that room looks like. And you will see that this thing here will experience a peace that the Bible calls that surpasses all understanding. Because you see, your room's been revamped, but you're still getting chaotic evidence from the world. But you know what? You're in it, but you're not of it. Are you with me? What you're seeing in the world is not familiar to the room that you've renewed up here. Are you guys with me? So immediately when it comes up, you say, ah, it's not me. Oh, no. Everything's going to crash. That's cool. I'm pretty safe in my room. God is my provider. Are you guys with me? Did you get something this morning? Come on, give God a praise. So every head bowed, every eye closed. And, and I think, yeah, geez, maybe we should start including this at the end of the service, you know, just for a couple of minutes. You guys who are at home, just do the same thing. Keep the audio on. Just going to lead you to, through some stuff. Take a few minutes now, guys. And I promise this is the end. I said that 15 minutes ago, but you guys know me well. Close your eyes right now. A lot was said this morning. And um, I know that you know automatically if anything spoke to you. You don't need to figure out, oh, wait, was this for me? If you just stop trying to look good, everything would become apparent to you. If you stop trying to protect whether or not you're a good Christian and just latch on to the fact that Jesus is a good Savior, things would become very apparent to you. Nothing would be a mystery. So all the images that were painted this morning, the scriptures that were shared, this journey from the old to the new. Test yourself. You have every right to test yourself. You are the only one who can do it. God's not going to test you. He sees you just like Jesus. You're perfect. But test yourself because you must remember, if any area of our lives we are living to serve self, we are going to experience corruption. The Bible is clear on that. Anyone who sows into the flesh will reap corruption. But those who sow into the spirit will reap everlasting life. Children of God, make a decision to take a stand in what Jesus has done. Make a decision to take a stand to choose to believe that you don't need to stay in the stinky room. That this room can become as perfect as God's vision for you. Step by step. Ceiling board by ceiling board, tile by tile, wall by wall. 
that hamster wheel of life is something very, very old to you. It's dead. It died in Jesus. It no longer has power over you. And if you're experiencing some resistance to this this morning because you're saying, geez, Bash, I don't know, man. I, I don't know anything else. All my enjoyment is in the world. All my fulfillment is in the system that you were talking about this morning. My purpose, my value, everything's anchored there. Friend, I want to tell you this morning that there is a fulfillment, a purpose, a value in Jesus that you can never wish to experience in the world. It is so vast. It is so huge. And it's not complicated. You know why? It's because it's based on His love for you. The Bible says, I pray that the love of God dwell in your hearts through faith. You can experience the love of God this morning. It's free, it's unmerited, it's everlasting, it's unconditional. It's unlimited. You can experience that love of God right now. If you make the decision to believe that God is who He says He is and that He rewards those who seek Him. And that reward is not all the stuff that you were used to pursuing to serve yourself. He is the reward. Experiencing Him is that reward. So while Jared continues to play right now, the choice is yours. If you're feeling that resistance, it's normal. But you can choose. Take the leap. You can be free. You can have peace. But it's all in putting the old man to rest. the new creation. Thank you, Jesus. So if there's anyone here this morning while you guys are made a decision for Jesus you heard something amazing this morning you were like hey I need a piece of this I'm telling you up front managing the expectation it's not going to be lacquer in the beginning it's going to be a bit shaky but like I explained to you this morning the Holy Spirit's going to be there with you every step of the way God himself and by his grace you will experience a transformation that will fulfill you that you never thought possible. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if that is you, just slip your hand up. We want to pray with you after the service. We just want to spend some time with you and offer you some understanding about what we're talking about. If there's anyone on live stream, please get some comments there or send us a direct message get in contact with you.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a praise. As always, we love you guys dearly. Um, praying for you guys. Praying, praying for you guys every day. Listening very intently to the Lord about what you guys need, what message you guys need to hear. Trust me, we are. <laughs> the guys who come here on Wednesdays and even the guys on Sundays, they know that was for me. Listen, it's not a Russian roulette, guys. We are seeking God all the time. Lord, what do the people need? <laughs> we want them anchored in you. We want them connected with you, you know. And that's what we're doing for you guys all the time. We expect the same of you because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. And we are all to serve each other. Amen. So, quick announcement. After I've given you that lovely word, please do not stone me outside. But, tonight's service has been moved to next week. Jeez, why you made me say this, man? You're the bigger dude. Jeez, like it. But uh, there's, there's been some unforeseen complications. All right, uh, and we're going to move it to next week, Sunday night, which is great because that gives you more time to get more people here. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so our apologies again about that, but we will be having Spirit Sunday next week, Sunday night. All right, so please go home this afternoon, replay the message. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. Replay it. It'll be on podcast later this evening. All right, normally evening, evening, once I get done with the editing. <laughs> But like I said before, grace and peace to you guys as always. We love you very, very much. Uh, anybody who needs to chat or go through things, please get in contact with us. You guys can stand. Put your hand on your heart. And say, Father, thank you that I am your child. I am highly favored, truly blessed, and deeply loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an amazing Sunday, guys. Love you lots.